0: Welcome to Health Impressions, the show about authority, acquisition, and retention. I'm your co-host, Brian Cush, co-founder of Title Health Group, a digital marketing agency specializing in healthcare. I'm accompanied by Jay Parkinson, Chief Medical Officer of Sana, a health plan that delivers high-quality healthcare while keeping costs down. Our show focuses on the cross-sections of marketing, patient experience, and product development. We explore strategies for providing high-quality care, enhancing patient experience, and retention through cutting-edge technologies. We'll be speaking with like-minded industry leaders who will be sharing their learnings and spilling some secrets, too. Lily Wei. Welcome to the show. I'm beyond excited to have this conversation. Uh, besides Jay, probably being one of my favorite people in this space, I've followed you, your information, all your kind of talks around YMYL for years. So we're really excited to have you.
1: Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here.
0: Uh, I'd love to just kind of dive right into this concept around e-. Uh We had a brief exchange, I think, before recording this, and I'll set a tone of like, I think you are revered in our space of like the SEO, like really marketing world. And I I love trying to pull this concepts into the more like traditional worlds of healthcare, Jay being a doctor, talking to actual practitioners, even technologists within this space. Like how do you explain these concepts of E to people that aren't in our industry?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. Um, SEOs love acronyms that are confusing to the outside world. So this is one of them. you said EAT, but it actually now is two E's, E-E-A-T, um, which Google recommends that you either call E-E-A-T or double E-A-T. Um, it used to be E-A-T and they added a new E last year. So now it stands for experience, expertise, authoritativeness, and trustworthiness. And this is Google's own acronym. It comes from Google's search quality reader guidelines, And this is uh, the document that they use in real human evaluations around the world thousands of times per year to train human search quality evaluators. And basically those people are tasked with um, checking how well Google's results are meeting the expectations of like real humans um, and kind of like testing and and providing feedback for future tests that Google is doing. And EEAT is what Google recommends that these search quality evaluators use to kind of measure content. And more specifically, like how much can you trust the content? How credible is the content, the people behind it? Um, You know, a lot of this became a big thing around 2016 with like fake news and misinformation online, but it's especially important for categories like healthcare uh, because they really want to get the information right.
0: I love to dig in like Jay and I are constantly talking about the balance of entity within healthcare of a brand versus a Mm -hmm. provider versus a service line? Like, how do you begin to think about that as like the entity behind it when you say if it's like authorship or expertise of balancing the concepts of those entities?
1: Totally. Yeah. I mean, this is what Google has been doing in the background for a long time. So uh, it's called Google's Knowledge Graph. It's essentially uh, the brain that they're building with information about all the people, places and things in the world. <laughs> and it's growing and growing every year. It has billions of different data points and they're able to know, or at least try to know, you know, this author or this doctor works at this hospital. They they specialize in these topics. They've written these books. So it's connecting all the dots between all these different entities And that's, that's one way that they're likely um, using or like implementing EEAT in the algorithms. They're saying, we know this doctor, we know this person, they obviously have all this evidence that proves that they're specialized in these areas. So their content gets to rank a little bit better for that reason.
0: Is there uh, a rule of thumb that you like think about I like is it like a single page level, a site level, a domain level? like how do you think about entity or even the, like the level of authority?
1: Yeah, this is really a big uh, debate even within the SEO community because Google doesn't tell us specifically how they're looking at eeat algorithmically because they can't give away too much about how the algorithms work but if you read google search quality guidelines again which which train those actual human evaluators who look at the content um they're pretty clear about how to do this type of research and to look at the reputation of the people that are writing the content so for things like health and medical this is what google calls excuse me what google calls the highest level of your money your life YMYL. This is where E-E-A-T is the most important. So they say, look at the people who are writing the content, look at the brands that they're writing for, look at the website, the website's reputation. You basically have to look everywhere on the internet to get an understanding of why we can trust this person because what they don't want is like fake doctors, um, or fake medical writers giving bad advice.
2: I'm I'm just kind of a newbie to this world, right? So, um, How do companies, groups like Goop kind of get around this? Or like, what's the hack that they can do to kind of be as authoritative as possible?
1: Well, for one, um, not Goop in particular, but a lot of sites like Goop were negatively impacted in the last several years. So there was a really big update in 2018, which our industry, the SEO industry, calls the medic update. Google didn't call it the medic update, but for people like me who had... Health and medical clients at that time still do. Um, It was a really big day for a lot of sites. A lot of sites, including a couple of our clients, lost a lot of visibility overnight. So one of the big issues at that time... Which wasn't an issue before, right? Because sometimes with SEO, you think you're doing things okay because it's working. And then you wake up one day and Google changed course and it doesn't work anymore. So a lot of sites that fall into that category of like natural wellness, we're actually doing quite well with SEO before. And we're able to show up on Google for things like how to use apple cider vinegar to treat rosacea, you know? Um, the next day they're gone. <laughs> Google's like, this content is not on Google anymore. So uh, now you'll see a lot of sites like that doing everything they can to fact check their content, link to credible sources, and just get back in Google's good graces because they've really cracked down on medical misinformation. That's gotcha.
2: right. So you think that it was a net positive for the world?
1: It depends on your opinion and your perspective, right? Like right. a lot of uh, a lot of, let's say, maybe keto diet bloggers or natural wellness doctors or, or not even doctors, but, you know, bloggers or wellness practitioners, things like this. Um, a lot of them are up in arms because they had built a business off of providing content on Google. And they were doing quite well. And then overnight they lost all of it. So it depends on your perspective. I think in general, if you believe in scientific and medical consensus, then the answer to that question is yes. But there's a lot of people that think that this was very unfair.
0: Yeah. Right. How do you think about like the opposite? We get that question a lot of like, well, if all the volume shifts to the CDC or the WHO and Mayo clinic, like mm-hmm. can the small practitioner or the small healthcare brand even get market share or visibility?
1: Yeah, that's been a really big outcome of all of this. And those sites are the biggest winners of, let's say, SEO visibility in the last several years, especially, obviously, with COVID. Um, Google likes to rank, you know, the Mayo Clinic, the CDC, the FDA for a lot of potentially dangerous medical queries. And sometimes they're not even they don't even seem like they would be medical queries, something like uh, grapefruit juice. At different moments in time, you'll see the CDC and the FDA ranking for grapefruit juice, not because they have the best SEO teams on the planet, but because Google doesn't want to risk some type of content that is dangerous or not backed up with science or whatever it is people are doing with grapefruit juice. They're like, we want what the FDA has to say about it to be front and center to protect the safety of our users. So yes, it's true that it's very difficult to compete in many cases for that number one position in those types of cases. What I have seen is sometimes this ebbs and flows. So sometimes there are moments um, and this could be triggered by outside events, let's say like monkeypox, where the FDA is going to earn top positions for everything because Google doesn't want to risk like a a pandemic or, you know, happening or spreading or whatever, misinformation spreading. But then maybe there's a different time of year. Maybe um, things are relatively safe and it's, you know, the holiday season. Now there's going to be like the Amazons and other people who are selling grapefruit juice or whatever get to earn the top position. So it changes over time, depending on what's happening.
0: You think intent has to come into play with that? It was funny, even in the COVID in, in New York, We had some clients that were were early get access to uh, tests uh, and even just information around it. And we saw there was this wild cat and mouse of if it was the CDC or New York State, but then even some of these practice sites that would go in that we were trying to parse almost like intent as this different signal to go. They're willing to kind of like open the the walled garden a bit more. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's actually been a really big talking point for me personally, I've been talking about um, this topic of EEAT and specifically what happened during COVID a lot because that was uh, really putting Google's algorithms to the test because right before COVID happened was when they really started to focus on like, if there's a crisis in the world, the algorithms should adjust to provide people with trustworthy information and not fake news. So this was like a really good test for them. But as a result of that, there were a lot of intent shifts, like what you're saying. And also, it just comes down to like giving the user what they're looking for. But there's a lot of words during COVID that kind of changed in meaning, right? Or they took on a new meaning. So one example of that was masks. When you searched for masks in 2019, you would get Halloween stores and you would get Amazon selling costume masks or maybe like cosmetic, like, uh, you know, masks, like spa masks, these kinds of things. Um, when you search for masks in 2020, May, March, you know, March and onward, you would see the CDC and the FDA and then w- sites that had masks in stock and things like this. So it changes dynamically to your point based on user intent and user intent changes all the time. And the algorithms can pick up on that.
0: How do you begin to tackle like... You have a lot of case studies, it sounds like, of kind of pre and post, especially from like an algorithmic win or loss. Like, where do you start? Or even like, are there uniformities that you're starting to see compile across that?
1: Yeah, it's it's a lot of work. And it's it's kind of become a really big part of my job. You know, there's not a lot of people that work I feel very lucky because I work at a company that supports me doing this type of research work as a big part of my job, but like, it is so consuming to try to reverse engineer what took place on Google day after day, right? A lot of different rank tracking tools, a lot of SEO visibility tools. The main one that I use is called Systrix and you're able to see who is gaining and losing for certain keywords over time. How do different Google updates affect this? And with COVID, I i mean, we were all at home, right? So <laughs> I was diving really deep into the data for a long time, for probably a year and a half of just looking at this stuff every day uh, and learned a lot, learned a lot about how this works. But yeah, the, the big takeaway to your point is that the big medical authorities earned a lot of SEO visibility, and that's not necessarily because they did anything related to SEO, <laughs>
0: Well, at least you came out smiling from eighteen months of SEO data. So, kudos <laughs> to you.
1: <laughs> I'm a nerd. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I want to hear you. Like, I'm curious if you like validate or invalidate this train of thought. I'm always playing around with this concept of like, there's so much real world activity within healthcare that kind of signals someone's authority. If that's clinical research, publications, grants, yep, speaking, and memberships, associations, and like. I would taking that and translating it online into some like consumer digestible format is at the core of what we're fighting, and then it's mm-hmm. like how do we speak to the person then in that moment of being the expert in the real world to even think about how we have to translate it
1: yeah it's um it's it's really. Uh... Like for me, it's pretty if you connect all the dots of what where this is going to me, it's very clear. There's a lot of pushback in our industry that like, oh, there's no way that Google would be able to make connections about who all these people are. And it doesn't matter who wrote the content at this point. It's oh, it's fine if AI wrote the content. Right. If you look at the bigger picture, if you look at what they're saying, especially for health and medical, it is increasingly important that you're transparent about who's writing the content, who's checking the content. And yes, there's going to be many examples where you can find something that's ranking on Google where maybe it doesn't have an author name or maybe the author's fake or whatever it is. Of course, it's going to slip through the cracks. They're not, it's not perfect all the time, but more and more, there's this big, like, Um, trend where Google is really trying to understand who the experts are. And when you start to Google their names, you'll see all these enhancements directly on Google. Like, oh, we know they wrote those books. We know they're in Google Scholar. We know, you know, all these different things. Here's these pictures of them. They're connecting all the different Google products to say, like, we have a profile about this person. And the reality is they would never ever say this. And I don't think they're actually using this information, but they also know who that person's right. Gmail (laughs) is what are they emailing about? Like they have more data about us than we can even imagine. And again, I'm not saying they're using that stuff for search, but I do think that Google has a lot of knowledge about who people are. And there's a lot of different patents for uh, identifying someone based, identifying someone based on their their voice. So theoretically, if Google heard enough of me talking on YouTube or whatever, they'll say oh, that's Lily without seeing who it is. Um, they can do the same for written text as well. So they have patents to be to be able to say like that's Shakespeare just by looking at his writing. Uh,
0: you talk about this. I think like the future of being this like heavy influencer marketing into the concepts of like where the algorithms are going, which I'm tying to this kind of like entity, kind of knowing the yeah. individual behind it, like. How does that work in healthcare, uh, or how, or does it work in healthcare?
1: Yeah. Well, it requires that people who are credentialed and experts and authoritative uh, do some work to build an online presence. And you know, obviously, a surgeon is busy doing other things. But like, if they're truly a surgeon and they want to be seen as trustworthy, there's some basic online work that needs to be done especially when it comes to writing the content so you know this is something that uh people struggle with because it's like how are you going to get a surgeon to write the content about heart surgery he's busy doing surgery um but you can have a writer who has knowledge in the area write the content and then maybe bring in the surgeon or the expert as like the seal of approval reading the content verifying the content, fact-checking it. You'll see this all the time for sites like Healthline and Medical News Today. And At this point, most of the big health publishers are working with experts. And um, that's, I think, where this is all going. And it's good, right? Because at the end of the day, you want a surgeon to fact-check the content about heart surgery. It's just like, it's better for everyone. So all the blogging Jay's been doing for like 20 years
0: is finally going to pay off? Is
2: that... No, it's not. Yeah, I mean, it's if he you knows what he's I mean, talking about. <laughs> yeah. Well, at the same time, it's interesting because like I don't publish anything academically. I don't work for a hospital, you know, but at the same time, like there's very few people in America that has like the experience that I have in terms of like building out care models and things like that. So it's very fascinating because yeah. I can't I can't really take advantage of that based on Google's definition of like, you know, like somebody that like knows what they're doing.
1: Well, you having written under your name on that topic for a very long time is a very, very big factor that they would look at when they're analyzing yeah. somebody's authoritativeness.
2: But I'm like, unfortunately, I'm not a medical yeah. scholar or anything like that. So I don't know. <laughs> anyway.
1: You can probably get in there. A lot of this stuff is just checking boxes. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. if you don't have someone who's like specialized in SEO helping identify the opportunities. Sometimes like people will go forever without like taking advantage of certain things. You can you, like, you might see when you Google something, let's say like Beyonce is one that comes to mind. Pretty sure if you Google Beyonce and you see what's called the knowledge panel on the right side, which is all the information about her at the bottom, it says claim this knowledge panel, <laughs> which means Beyonce never went on to Google and clicked that button. <laughs> She's probably a little busy, but like, You know, it's just like when you start to work with SEOs, they're like, hey, there's these basic things you can do to kind of clean up how your thing is presented on Google.
0: And that simplicity there is what I love, like merging these worlds of like furthering that concept of like the person with their head in the books and being the researcher is not thinking about this. So like, should we get them? That's a question in itself. But like, how do we get earlier on of translating their expertise activity into an online world? And that is yeah. just like a, a gap that I don't know if will ever fully be bridged.
1: Yeah, it's a for me, it's a really fun part of SEO, but it does take getting buy in, and that's to me also a really fun part. I think generally speaking, most experts are pretty excited about like, hey, this is a mutually beneficial thing for obviously for SEO, but also for you because. You know how great it is to go around and someone's like, hey, I didn't get your phone number. You're like, oh, it's fine. Just Google me. You know, like you want to be putting your best foot forward on Google and you want to show up when people are searching for you because inevitably they will. And you also on the flip side, don't want that article about medical malpractice to be in position three. (laughs) So it's like it's reputation management. So when you frame it that way, people are like, oh, I need that. I want that. Or there's somebody else who has my name who maybe has a really bad track record. And I, I don't want them showing up. I want myself showing up. So it's a big side of the work that we do as well.
0: So people have
1: egos, including doctors. Is that what I heard? <laughs> We've had some funny projects, some funny cleanup projects for sure.
2: <laughs> there was an article about, I would say, seven or eight years ago in one of the Gawker like sites. And it was basically a person who um, fabricated that, this whole scenario where, you know, they went to Austria and became part of this like fake institution, found this like fake doctor and um, produced a, a study that was basically like hacked to say that um, dark chocolate is great for you and helps you lose weight. And then what they did, they, they developed this whole PR strategy to get that message out to so many different places. Like it was on Oprah's magazine, like women's health, like every single magazine covered this, um, this piece. And then, you know, after that, like blitz that month of like, you know, blitzing the media with dark chocolate is the secret to weight loss. They came out and said like, Hey, we totally fabricated this entire thing. We paid for it to be like, um, in one of those like pay to play medical journals and here's how we did it. Right. And it was just one of those amazing things I've ever seen just because it was like, you just think that like science is science. And I guess what Google is doing is sort of defaulting to, well, that stuff's kind of cute, but like Mayo Clinic's always going to be like, you know, at the top and, and you do risk. Yeah. um, like having some sort of, you know, a fringe idea that becomes mainstream at one point because it's a real idea. Um, you know, not being able to take on because like
1: Google just clouds up the uh, the information. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think um, for, for certain queries, you know, something like does dark chocolate help you lose weight? Like I wouldn't even put that in the highest level of what they would call your money or life. So things like mm-hmm. drug rehab, um, you know, rapid weight loss, like stuff like this is like Mayo Clinic, <laughs> you know, it's like yeah. they don't want to take any risks. But there is this yeah. kind of gray area where, yeah, if you're a health publisher, maybe there's like some new study or something and that will get some visibility. But I mean, you raise a good point, like they're only relying on the systems and processes that they know for like, these are the signals that align with very, very high quality, high authority medical yeah. information, you know, in general, maybe uh, the Mayo Clinic references it or it's, uh, it's on these sites that we're used to looking at. So you kind of do have to like meet that threshold of quality that, that they're looking for for most of these medical queries.
0: Yeah, it's funny. Even if something simple, like I think yesterday before, I think I just Googled like best cancer surgeons. And mm-hmm. it was funny that like the top three, I think, were U.S. News, how kind of these ranking mm-hmm. sites. But then even when you go into those sites, every single profile is enhanced, enhance, enhance that Pay to that person paid to be listed intra that site. So it's like, where does the threshold start, stop on that kind of like domain versus non or like kind of subfolder listing. And it just, it's almost to me, my view, and I really love your thought of this. So there is a lot more aggression and like the AI push in like every other user experience, but like healthcare, it's like this weird subsector that they're just really slow on and how they're presenting like a new format of information.
1: Yeah. That's, I mean, that, that gets into a whole other tricky conversation, which is like, basically if like affiliate marketing and, and should paid r- listings rank organically um, paid lists, I guess. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's really tricky, right? Because then if you said, we're going to list the best surgeons based on some other organic factor, like Uh, how many star ratings they have on health grades or whatever it is, ZocDoc. And people start to figure out that that's what it takes. You know, what do they do? They go hire companies to go leave a bunch of fake reviews or whatever it is. So it's like everything is spammable. And then Google has to say at some point, I mean, I imagine this is what they're saying. A lot of people take issue with the fact that like the Forbes and the US News and things get to rank with this type of content. But they're saying, well... You know, even if it is pay to play or whatever, we trust their editorial process. There's enough links pointed to this page. You know, even like US News and Forbes, they're going to be very clear about how they ranked that content. So it's like, well, this is the best we have in terms of like trying to demonstrate something that we think is a trustworthy result.
0: What do you do you think there's a further like you've talked about different patents that you've gotten to research within them and the new concepts around? I think it's the perspectives tab even this certification for medical providers on YouTube do you, what's your prediction and is there, or is there a prediction in that movement of, of segmenting healthcare even further?
1: Yeah, I think, I think it's, um, you know, it's, it's trickier than like saying, okay, you're a recipe blogger, go share your perspectives about the best pesto pasta recipe because like, probably Google will serve that content pretty quickly. You know, if if, let's say you already have a recipe site and Google kind of knows who you are, like the criteria for appearing in those types of results is much, much higher, more strict for medical content. But yeah, this is why it's like start now because there's all these different formats that they're experimenting with and, and rolling out perspectives is one of them for a while. I mean, Google's been testing this stuff on and off for a long time. So there used to be something called cameos, where you could type a doctor's name or a nutritionist's name, and it would show not only their knowledge panel, but Google actually had a program with these people, like very, very trustworthy people that they hand selected and said, send me 10 videos where you're talking about the nutritional benefits of almonds or cashews or whatever. And Google was showing those videos next to their knowledge panel, and like you, like with medical and nutrition you know, experts that they were choosing, again, these were hand-selected people that already had very robust profiles. Maybe they've written a book, whatever it is. So that's not there anymore, but there's been these programs over time. So the earlier you can start to become recognized, and again, a lot of that's just checking the boxes, the more likely it'll be that Google will feature your content.
0: What are some of those boxes? It sounds like there's some simple wins.
1: Yeah, I think so. Um, this is like what we call either like entity building or reputation management in SEO. I think it's one of the most fun and exciting parts of SEO because it's actually depending on what your name is. It's relatively easy, again, depending on your name, to own a lot of uh, properties and information related to your name. Right. So. Hopefully you have a name that's somewhat unique, but at the very least, somebody can type doctor or surgeon or whatever as part of the query. And then Google usually gets it right. But like at the very least, you should if you can have a personal website. Um, Not everybody has time for that, but that's a great way to start. Um, Even if it's like a Wix site or something small, that's just, hey, this is me. These are my credentials. This is the the link to my LinkedIn page, my Twitter, whatever. Uh, That's a great way to start again maybe doctors don't have time for that, but then, you know, are you on the places that they would expect to see information about doctors? So again, health grades comes to mind, ZocDoc. um, There's probably other directories that I'm not thinking of, but like logical places that doctors are listed, try to be listed there. And social media, like at the very least, just own the accounts, you know, make sure you're on LinkedIn, make sure your title's up to date and, what are some other directories that doctors would be expected to be in that rank high, you know, it's like be on all of them.
0: How do you say you're working with like an institution, a hospital, are you going, yep, every single doctor should have an individual site or is it like this threshold of the researchers with like nine letters after their name or <laughs> like, how do you, how do you think about that from a, like a, such a large entity?
1: Yeah. I mean, in this case, you would you would want the hospital to have a page for the doctor at the very least. That page should rank well for their names. You can kind of treat that as like a micro site, kind of treat that as a business card. Um, and then, you know, work with the the hospitals to be like, can we enhance this page a little bit? Can we update this page? Can we add links to other places they've been mentioned or their certifications or whatever it is? But it's really just owning because, again, Google, generally speaking, has seven to 10 organic links on the first page you want all seven to 10 of those to ideally be about you and ideally be something good about you. So even if it's like um, something that, you know, an article that you published at some point, um, all these things that lend to credibility, like for your name um, and not, ideally not like having position six or position seven be something that's really bad that you wanna erase from the internet. In those cases, you have to push it down. So you might, uh, one kind of like secret weapon that we use a lot with clients is getting in places like SoundCloud and Bandcamp and Spotify and like other kind of like podcasts or like, um, like audio type sites, because you can record a podcast like this one and put it on SoundCloud and put it on Bandcamp. And now it's like, we're talking about this, put my name in the title that might just push something down because it's on the SoundCloud website.
0: So funny. So we should tell doctors to be musicians now too? Is that a secret that you have? They Jack? can do
1: interviews on there. You can do interviews. You can do like there's audio books on Bandcamp, things like that.
0: I guess I haven't been on one in a while. I was just thinking of oh like almost every doctor I interact with usually has some like secret desire to be like a Broadway singer or like a musician yeah. as well. Yeah,
1: that helps. That
0: helps. Any like further guesses on where you see our industry going or anything specific within healthcare that you're seeing kind of the breadcrumbs walk towards
1: hmm. well there's a program on bing i know people don't pay attention to bing as much in our industry although we should more because they're doing really cool stuff <laughs> and uh, a lot of their recent products are super cool but they have like a um medical directory as part of the Bing results that includes names of doctors, doctor profiles, and content that they've written directly on Bing um, or some other Microsoft URL. But maybe Google will do something like this going forward. Like, I, I do think that Google is going to go more towards highlighting individual people and influencers and experts as much as possible because guess what that that's like the opposite of um, mass auto generating content with AI that doesn't have a name behind it. And I think that people want the former, they want people, they want experts, they want a personal connection. So I think that like, that could be something that might happen where you start to see a lot more like name, like, uh, like the name of the doctor or their brand being a lot more visible in the search results.
0: Jay, anything top of mind on you too? I'm just now riffing to make sure if there's anything like even you, Lily, you, is there's any topics around this you wanted to talk or questions that we didn't cover?
1: I mean, I guess we talked about perspectives. Perspectives is for me a really exciting development in Google that is not fully rolled out yet. So I don't think that people even completely understand what it is. And Google also managed to launch two products called Perspectives this year, which made it extra confusing. But the big one that they announced at Google I.O. called Google Perspectives is, um, again, for, for me, really exciting because it goes against this whole like AI generated summarized content and more towards the individual content creator. So if people are on YouTube, if people are on TikTok, if they have personal blogs, if they've contributed to Quora and Reddit and blogs in their industry, Google's trying to do more to elevate that content for questions where there might be different perspectives to answer the the question. Um, So instead of having like one source of truth, which is often the case with what they're doing with AI, this would be the opposite where it's like, well, maybe you want to hear from seven different nutritionists about what they think.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, that's It just keeps pushing the entity concept, and I I, I guess what I'm hearing too is like you're not on the AI bandwagon that it's just gonna (laughs) replace all of us of producing perfect uh, content like without being human reviewed then.
1: Uh I I have mixed feelings about AI. I I actually do use the tools a lot for different things and that's that's not the issue. Um the issue is that it's such a sh- easy shortcut for content production and now it's just completely being blown out of control in our industry. People are creating millions of new pages this year, probably a lot more, and it's just like not interesting, unique content. So that's a big debate in our industry as well. But yeah, how do you get around that? You, you have a real human, right? The content, a real expert be involved in the content creation process. So I, I do think this is something Google's going to be grappling with as well. And it'll be even harder to rank generic medical content. Like if you look at Healthline, for example, right now, there's a new feature on Healthline pages that says, this is what this author's perspective is on this matter. And it's like highlighted and it's a quote from the author. Or from the doctor, rather. So it's like more sites are going to have to tap into actual individual expertise to stand out.
0: Where do you find? Is there anything you're researching now uh, that you're in the middle of? Or kind of data that you're monitoring that's kind of new to you? Any kind of fun projects you're in the middle of?
1: Yeah, you know, I've been I've been on this track of monitoring um, health and medical and and your money, your life content for a number of years. But I kind of pivoted in the last several months, obviously, because of AI. I've been very, very focused on what Google is doing with AI and Bing. Um, They have a new product that they're testing called SGE search generative experience. So I've been daily (laughs) researching that, writing about that, speaking about that. Um, But beyond that, I'm also very uh, involved in looking at Google Discover, which is the, the place on mobile phones, particularly on Android phones, where Google serves curated, personalized content based on the user's interests and history. And there's a lot of traffic to be had if you appear there. Um, so a lot of our clients get that traffic and want that traffic. So I've been very focused on that, but that's actually a very other side of the coin as far as these conversations go, because that tends to be a little bit more of like, let's say like the social, social media oriented type content.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. And that almost sets us up for maybe a future conversation that I think there's a lot of image-based search too, that then becomes health related, I think, starts to spill over into that generative experience. So it'll be really interesting to see where that does fall into the healthcare sphere.
1: Yeah, images and video as well. I think we touched on it a few times, but video, I think video is the future. It's already happening now, but... We have YouTube all over the place. We have YouTube shorts all over the place. TikTok, um, you know, they're competing. They're head to head. Like a lot of people p- publish stuff on TikTok and then not publish it on YouTube shorts. And it's like, you need to be both places. <laughs> so that's another good opportunity for anyone in any profession just to start. Like if you're going to write a blog, you should probably also talk about the thing on video as well.
0: Lily, I really appreciate the time. Uh, I hope we get to reconnect again and maybe even connect in person sometime. Uh, where's the best way for people to connect with you and find follow you online
1: so I'm very active on a uh, formerly called Twitter now it's called X <laughs> Lily Ray and my Lily Ray NYC is my handle there um, as well as LinkedIn but as I mentioned before you can Google me so there's a lot of different places that you can find me um, and I have a personal website where you can get in touch
0: awesome I really appreciate the time look forward to speaking again
1: thanks so much for having me
0: Thank you for listening to today's episode of Health Impressions, Authority, Acquisition, Retention. We hope you found the conversation insightful and thought-provoking. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform so you never miss an episode. And if you have a moment, please leave us a review. Your feedback will only help us improve the show. If you have any thoughts or questions about today's episode, we'd love to hear from you. You can connect with us on social media or you can send us an email at media at titlehealthgroup.com t-i-d-a-l until next time keep exploring keep learning and keep pushing the boundaries of your knowledge thank you for tuning in and we'll see you again soon